the Lord's really been showing me a few things about prayer recently. And that's what we're going to be discussing, talking about, perhaps learning a bit about this morning. But we're going to look at it from maybe a different perspective. We're going to look at what prayer is supposed to be, but maybe it isn't, and what prayer isn't supposed to be, but maybe it is in our lives. So let's start with what it's not supposed to be. The first thing prayer isn't supposed to be, but maybe it is, is a checkbox to tick off. Just like attending church and reading the Bible and everything else related to God, prayer is not something to be checked off. If it's just something on your checklist, then you will look for it to be finished as quickly as possible and in the most efficient way as possible. Isn't that how you handle all of the other checklist items? You will find yourself starting to think about what else needs to be done, especially as you get towards the end of the time of your prayer. And you will rush out onto the next item on your checklist, putting whatever you've prayed out of your mind and out of your thoughts. And you will miss so much of what prayer is supposed to be. The second thing prayer isn't supposed to be is a whinge session. If your prayers are consistently or constantly a whinge session, then your focus is on yourself and not on Jesus. Yes, we will go through trials, sometimes great trials, and it's okay to be real before the Lord. But if all or almost all you're ever doing is complaining, then that's not prayer. David's prayers and crying out to God in the book of Psalms weren't whinge fests. Even in the most trying of situations, even at his lowest points. Yes, he poured out his heart and his complaints before God, but he always ended on a positive. He reaffirmed that God was in control, that God knew his situation and would make a way. And he ended with pure, genuine praise to God. So often our whinges and our complaints are so small that they're not even in the same universe as David's complaints. Do we give honor to God through them? Do we give God the glory in the middle of the complaints that we have? David did. And he shows us how we should approach prayer in the same way. The third thing that prayer isn't meant to be is a means of getting your own way. If your prayer time is being used as a way to try and to manipulate and convince God to see your point of view, then you're missing the entire point of prayer. Prayer is meant to be about aligning yourself, your ways, your attitudes, your desires with what Jesus wants for us and not the other way around. And if you're praying for vengeance on all those that have hurt you, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. God is more interested in healing you from the inside out than taking vengeance on those on the outside. If you're calling down fire from heaven to burn up your enemies or asking God to curse your enemies, you're on the wrong track, in the wrong city and on the wrong continent. In the Old Testament, it was common, even law, for someone to take vengeance on somebody else when they had been wronged. Leviticus 24 and 19 says, And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he has done, so shall it be done to him. 
Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in man, so shall it be done to him again. Vengeance was a common practice in the Old Testament. Which is why God set up cities of refuge so that those who had accidentally wronged others could flee and escape the judgment that was lawfully allowed. But in the New Testament, Jesus turned everything on its head like he often did. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, Jesus is talking. And he said, You have heard that it has been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. So the complete opposite to vengeance and revenge. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. And whoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. You have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. This would have been a slap in the face to all that heard that that day. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is completely unnatural to the normal human man and woman. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans as well. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This is a call to something higher. This is a call to something unnatural. This is a call to something that when you're on the receiving end of it, you'd rather do anything other than it. Those are hard words to take for anyone who has ever been wronged. But I promise you that if you start praying for the people instead of against them, something will start changing within you. The other person may never change, which goes against the grain and rubs us the wrong way. God is a gracious God and will give them opportunities and time to change and repent. But God is more interested in healing you and keeping you saved than bringing immediate judgment and vengeance on those who have wronged you. Yes, there will always be a day of reckoning, a day of righteous judgment. But that may not happen in our lifetime or their lifetime. And wanting God to bring that day forward will take us further away from God, not closer. And as hard as it is to take The only way forward, the only way to healing is to pray for that person or those people and not against them. And the fourth thing um, of what prayer shouldn't be is an excuse to say the same. Imagine a conversation between a wife and her husband. The wife asks, Honey, I'd like you to pick up your dirty clothes and put them in the basket from now on. And the husband answers, okay, honey, I'll pray about it. What do you think the response of the wife will be? It sounds like you're being spiritual, but really you're just saying, 
I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not interested in changing. You're hiding behind God so that you can keep doing things the way that you want to do them. Even if you do pray about it like you said you would do, I can pretty much guarantee that you won't hear a voice from heaven or thunder and lightning saying, yes, you should put your clothes in the basket. You won't hear any direction at all. And so you feel free to continue along the same path that you have always gone. Why is that? Doesn't God give direction to us? Yes, but he expects us to use our brains as well and will never force us to change against our will. But we will have to deal with the consequences of that stagnation in our spirits. If something needs to change and it has been brought to our attention, then God expects us to take it on board and change. It doesn't need prayer. It needs action on our part. If God is incredibly gracious, you might actually get a small, still voice from God, but you would have to be open to hear that voice. And you will miss it because you're only praying as an excuse. Don't get me wrong, there are things, big things that we should be praying about, even seeking guidance from the pastor about, like changing jobs, moving cities, moving churches, making large investments. These are things that could have a huge spiritual impact if done outside the will of God or if they are taking you away from God or church. They should be approached with a lot of open prayer. But picking up clothes from the floor... Just put them in the basket, man. And don't hide behind God as an excuse. People who do that often enough are reaching the territory of the old saying, being so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly use. They appear spiritual but aren't willing to change and so they don't ever change. And just for the record, that's not a conversation I've ever had with my wife, Natalie. It was just a humorous example to explain the principle. The principle doesn't just apply to husbands and wives, but in all of our relationships and situations. So let's move on to the second category. What prayer is supposed to be, but maybe it isn't. Number one, prayer is supposed to be two-way communication. If you've got a, your list of items that you want to, or need to pray and you don't deviate from that, then that's not complete prayer. That's a monologue, a speech, a group of words, and it's not prayer. Prayer should have periods where we allow God to speak to us. Prayer is meant to be about changing us, not getting our list finished or trying to change God or his mind. Sometimes the answers to the prayers on our prayer list require us to change whether we realize it or not. And we can pray all we want and get nowhere. God wants to give us the answer, but we don't allow him to speak to us. We don't give him the time for him to actually speak to us about what needs to change in our lives. The second thing that prayer is supposed to be is honest, open communication. It's possible to have two-way communication with someone without being open and honest. We should be willing to lay it all on the line with Jesus. Too often we can approach prayer and Bible reading as well with guarded hearts, hoping that God won't deal with us about certain parts of our lives. We should be willing to bring every part of us to God for him to examine. We should be willing to discuss our hopes and our fears and be willing 
to align ourselves with God's values when we are off track. The third thing that prayer is supposed to be is relationship building. This goes hand in hand with both the two-way communication and the open and honest communication. We should leave prayer feeling a little bit closer to Jesus than when we started. He is not a faceless God that hides behind commandments and is waiting to punish you for the slightest disobedience. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 starts, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us keep walking with God. Let us keep doing what we know to do in our walk with God. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, the things that afflict us, the things that bother us, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This passage speaks about relationship. This passage speaks about the common ground between us and Jesus. And good relationships start with common ground and shared experiences. When we pour out our hearts before God, it increases the bond between us and Him because He's already been there. He knows where you're at. And He can bring that comfort and peace in even the most trying of times. Philippians 4.6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The fourth one, what prayer is meant to be, is an opportunity to pray for others. It's easy to be focused on yourself. After all, you're living with yourself and dealing with yourself 24 hours a day. You're not with any other person for that amount of time. And we can fall into the trap of just praying for ourselves and our own needs. And we miss out on the opportunity, the privilege of bringing other people's needs to God as well. God wants to meet your needs, but he also wants to meet the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And God may use you to help meet their needs. They may not be able to pray for themselves at that time, especially if they are going through a serious situation, but we can lift them up before God. We can pray on their behalf. We can intercede on the behalf of our brothers and our sisters. And when God answers their prayers and your prayers, it's spiritually satisfying in a way that just praying for yourself never brings. And the last thing that prayer should be, but maybe it isn't, is something beautiful. We should desire to pray. We should enjoy being in God's presence. That doesn't mean that you will always be in heavenly places in God's presence every time you pray. Sometimes you're not going to feel his presence at all. But... Prayer should still be something beautiful. So you're not going to be in God's presence every single time because that's not how prayer works. But when we realize what a privilege we have of talking 
to the God of all creation. And having that same God talk back to us and guide us. Wow. That's amazing. That's beyond a privilege. That is something that we don't deserve. And that's prayer. God wants us to pray as often as we can, every day. Not every minute of every day, but it should be something that we desire to pray. And that if we do happen to miss prayer one day, that we desire even more to get into his presence because we've missed out on the day before. Too often, prayer can seem like a drudgery, day in, day out. Yeah, we might still pray, and we should still pray because it's our salvation on the line. We don't pray and we're going to lose out with God. But we lose the awesomeness, the privilege and the power of prayer when we don't approach it in the right way. If we would stand this morning, I know it hasn't been a long message. Um, The Lord knew what he was going to do this morning. I'd just like us to all lift our hands and reach out to God. If you know that you've been falling short in, in one of these aspects of prayer, then now's the time to get into touch with God. Because He wants prayer to be something beautiful and something special. That's what He meant it for it to be. And not something that we make up in our mind or something that gets ticked off a box or something where we just repeat the same things over and over again. That's not what prayer is meant to be. But he's calling us all into something deeper, into something beautiful, into something amazing that we maybe have never experienced before because prayer is our communication with him, with the throne of God. Oh, Jesus, may we realign our thinking May we align our hearts, Lord, and Lord, understand just how awesome prayer is, just how amazing prayer is, that we are even able to pray is something that we do not deserve, Jesus. But you have given us the ability, the privilege of prayer, Lord Jesus. Or may we come before your throne, Lord Jesus. Or in boldness, yes, but with the knowledge of that privilege. Lord, may we come into your presence and worship. May we come and allow you to speak to us like we've never allowed you before, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the move of your spirit this morning. We thank you, Lord, for how you have ministered to us, how you have drawn us closer, how you have talked to us, how you have ministered to us, Jesus. In your house is where things happen. Oh, Jesus, may we make the effort to be in your house tonight. May we make the effort to be in your house in the middle of the week because you delight when we make the effort, Jesus. And we draw that little bit closer to you once again. Oh, Lord, as we pray to you this week, may our prayer lives be transformed. May 
may we allow you to come in to our prayer times in a way that we've never allowed you before. Because that is what you desire. You desire to transform our prayers and our lives, Lord, through that. We appreciate you. We love you. And we ask, Lord, for your continued uh, grace on our lives and your blessings, I pray in Jesus' name.